It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reason. Welcome to The Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we're talking all about finding common ground in multi-stakeholder partnerships. So here's the deal with multi-stakeholder partnerships. We tend to think of those just as business partnerships. We have formed a limited liability partnership or different types of partnerships where multiple people come together for a common interest and we run revenue through that business. But the reality is multi-stakeholder partnerships can be many things. So that is the most common one and it's really the one we'll reference the most today. But multi-stakeholder partnerships can also be connections of people or combinations of people that come together for a common interest. So I have worked on one of the the coolest projects was uh, to promote manufacturing careers because really this was back in, gosh, early, probably 2013, 2014, we were saying that manufacturing as as an industry by 2025, which, you know, now we're almost there, but by 2025, they were going to have about... 76% of the workforce to which they actually needed, which creates a critical need. Well, now as the years have unfolded, we've seen that that is truly the case. That's why we have these shortages now that we've all been talking about, which will come as no surprise. But this is something that we were talking about back in 2012, 2013, 2014. And to really combat that here where I live in Iowa, we worked on a program where we brought together the public sector, the private sector, the education sector, really pulled those three together into what we called a consortium, which is a fancy name for a partnership. And we worked on some initiatives to drive excitement about manufacturing, both in the short term, but also in the long term to fill that need. And so we've seen the fruits of that labor over time. Now that's not something that I actively participate anymore, but I really got to kickstart that. And that was really cool. So that is a partnership in and of of itself. Now we've got other kinds of partnerships like I just finished volunteering for mock trial, and this is a group of parents that came together. Some of them were trial attorneys. Some of them, like me, had other specialty areas like me. I focus on strategic planning and communications. Mock trial world doesn't really care about my strategic planning skills other than my critical thinking and ability to prioritize and organize, but uh, my communication skills and the ability to, just like this radio show, to communicate to to the kids how to be able to articulate a message, land it, get in, get out, that's really important, especially when when they're on trial. So that's a key piece where parents are coming together to support these students, so we we form a partnership. Now it's not legally bound by any means, but we've got to find this common ground in any sort of multi-stakeholder encounter or partnership. So that's the context of what we're talking about today. How do we find this common ground so that we can move forward to reach a result together? Now, number one, the thing that I see the most is exactly what I just said in that definition, where it's finding common ground to move to a common result together. The challenge is that we often don't know what the result is that we want to create. And maybe we we know it, but we all have different ideas of it. So it looks a little bit different to each of us. Now, this is something that I see over and over and over again in partnerships. We are all working towards a goal, but it's not necessarily the same goal. Now, I just said I just finished coaching mock trial. It's what's fresh on my mind. We went to trial yesterday and today we just got the results right before I 
hopped on the show. And so what I want to share with you is something that I learned from this experience. And it was that we were all working towards this goal. And the goal that we thought we were working towards was to get our kids uh, the best experience in mock trial, which you know, to learn these, these goals of how they would actually go to trial, perhaps some of them want to have careers in law, but what it's really teaching them is critical thinking and speaking and how to look at a big problem and break it down into tiny, tiny problems and solve it, how to work as a team, how to be eloquent in front of others, how to own your presence. You know, all those things are so important. And so this one problem and challenge really gives the kids the opportunity to see that. And as parents, we come together and say, all right, we've got this challenge and now let's figure it out. We've got four months or not even that, like two months and we're gonna get the kids ready to go. So that would be coming together as a partnership. But our, since our goal was just to give the kids the experience, when we went to competition day yesterday, well, the goal kind of shifted to now we wanna win. Well, in order to win, you actually have to play differently than our initial goal. So some of the ways, the things that maybe we didn't teach them because that wasn't the highlight of our, uh, that wasn't our, our real intention, it, it shifted in the minute and then we experienced disappointment when our teams didn't win. But the, the real challenge is we didn't coach them in the way to win, we coached them in the way to have the experience. Now, is there a both and there where they can win and have the experience? Absolutely. But we as a team get to understand what that looks like. We get to find that common ground and say, okay, we're gonna teach them this experience and to win and here's how you win. So defining the game. And that's what often happens, especially in business partnerships. We all don't, we don't define the game the same way. We are playing our own games. Now, what I see when I oftentimes get pulled into conversations with partners who are, they all have, they think of a law firm and, and I know we're focused on mock trial, so we'll just play this out in the attorney game today. So I worked with a law firm and they brought me in because there was some real confusion about the direction that they got to go. Well, you look at all these attorneys and each attorney has their own practice. So they have their own employees, they've got their own uh, like strength areas, they even have their own brands because their name themselves, they have their own personal brand and people come to them, not necessarily to the company, but they wanna to come to the attorney. And if the attorney were to move to another law firm, they would probably follow the attorney, not continue to go to the company. But the value of having them at this law firm is that if they have other needs, if a customer comes in, they have other needs, well, there's other lawyers that could serve that. So here's my first question when I'm meeting with these, these law firms, and it's one that I would ask you if you are in a, multi-stakeholder partnership. These are just things to think about, okay? Are you a house of brands or are you a branded house? Now let's go back to marketing terms and they're some of my favorite, but if you think, are you a house of brands or a branded house? Because there is a major difference in how you operate based on multi-stakeholder partnerships based on the answer to that question. So if you are a house of brands, it means that you've got lots of different individual brands that come together to play in a sandbox together. So you say, hey, we all have our own individual specialties. We'll all come together and we'll play. But if you are a branded house, it means the house leads. So the brand leads and you're all players in that brand. So it's not about your independent brand. It's about your branded house, meaning 
your law firm name is what's going to get carried. People, we want people to stay with the law firm, not the attorney, versus the other way around. We want people to stay with the attorney, not necessarily the law firm. Now, if you look at holistically like a law firm, well, of course you would want them to stay with the law firm. That's not actually how most law firms or any multi-stakeholder partnership works. And so that becomes the challenge. Then you take on there, you add partners who some, you've got age discrepancies there. So you've got some new partners and you've got some old partners. Well, the old partners, maybe they wanna retire in the near future. So you've got somebody that maybe, let's say they're gonna retire in five years, but then you've got a brand new partner who's saying, I'm gonna work for the next 30 or 40 years. Those people have very different goals. The partner that wants to retire in the near future wants to make sure that they're using short-term use of capital because he wants to, or she, he or she wants to save that capital because they're gonna wanna buy out and they want the company to be flush with cash for the buyout. But if you've got somebody that's long-term, wants to make big investments, wants to really see the growth of the company over the long-term, maybe they're a little bit more risky with cash because they don't need cash sitting around they want to invest it and they want to create that return because over time that's going to bring the most value to them. So now you've got partnerships with partners with differing visions because of timelines. That adds additional complexity. I was pulled into a merger and acquisition company which acts very similar to a law firm and their biggest challenge was they had new partners coming into their partnership and they had old partners that were wanting to retire. And when I say old, I simply mean by age. They'd been around the partnership for a long time and they were wanting to get out. The senior partner, he was in the older place wanting to retire and his biggest frustration was that his experience, and these are the keywords, his experience, doesn't mean that's actually what's happening, it was his experience of what was happening was that these new partners were coming in and were wanting, uh, they were wanting some say over how the, the company really ran, but the older partners were saying, no, we wanna do it this way. And it was creating frustration. But this, that, so that, that's what was happening. But the symptom of it was the older partner was saying, well, these younger partners, they don't really wanna, they don't wanna take ownership of this company. They want us to do all the work. So I came in, I looked at the different partners, I interviewed them, I asked them what their goals were and what it was evident was that the new partners felt like the senior partners weren't stepping away so that the new partners could come in and run the company their way. Every time they had a new idea, they felt like the, the seasoned partners would tell them, no, that didn't work in the past, we're not gonna do that again. And it really turned them off to the point where they were wondering if that was really the partnership they wanted to be in. And so that is really what happens when we've got this mix of partners, we bring in new partners, and a lot of that is for succession planning and makes a lot of sense, but we've got a real challenge with this level of complexity in partners. And I spent so much time on this because I really want you to understand that partnerships can be really tough. And this is talking about maybe a larger partnership, but it's no different with two people. And I've been in a lot of two people partnerships. I've been in four people partnerships. I've been in bigger partnerships. I'm talking about formal partnerships, like business partnerships. And I can tell you in a two-person partnership, the problems aren't any different than in a 50-person partnership. Or perhaps you serve on a board, you would see the same challenges. I just hosted a board retreat a few weeks ago, and what I saw was that the senior board members 
did a lot of finger pointing of that's what we did 10, 20, 30 years ago. And the new board members were frustrated because that's irrelevant to today. Any business that's looking beyond what happened past COVID, that is irrelevant to the game we're up to now. Can we look back and get some evidence and maybe uh, use some of that knowledge to dictate the future? Sure, but is that what we're gonna hold ourselves to? To say, this can't work because we tried it five years ago and it didn't work. Well, five years ago, the world was totally different. The, the, the places that we operated in, the kinds of environments that we operated in, they're totally different now. So ideas that may or may not have failed five years ago may work today. But if we have that mindset that that didn't work then, that, that we can't use anything going forward, it doesn't work. So that's the context of today. We're gonna to talk more about some tools that you can use to actually find common ground because these are things, I get calls quite a bit that ask questions specifically about this saying, hey, I'm in this relationship with all these other people within this company and I gotta figure out how we can move forward. And it's a, it's a real challenge and it causes the heartache and it's why I see many partners or business owners or business leaders staying up at night. That struggle is real when they are attempting to understand how do I show up in a way that I can move this partnership forward. Remember partnership is that word that encompasses multi-stakeholder environment. How do I move it forward? And that is what we're talking about. So that's the toolbox we're gonna cover, but first we're gonna go on a quick break. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Enjoy your break. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com welcome back to the kathleen reason show pushing the boundaries of leadership to participate in the program join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com now back to the program welcome back to the kathleen reason show pushing the boundaries of leadership here on inspired choices network and today we've been talking all about finding common ground in multi-stakeholder partnerships. Before we went on break, we defined really what partnerships in this context means. We looked at why uh, finding that common ground is so important and what some of those challenges are. But now we get to actually look into the toolbox. So when I get a phone call that says, Kathleen, we've got this multi-stakeholder environment, we're figuring out how we can move forward, here are some of the common questions that I'm asking or I'm going in and digging in and figuring out. So these are the same things that you can ask within your environment, within your partnership that you're working in. So the number one thing that I wanna understand is the communication styles of the partners that are involved here. 
Now, I've done lots of different shows on communication styles. You can go back and reference them. But there are four main communication styles, and it's the promoter, the controller, the supporter, and the analyzer. So those four styles really dictate how you are going to show up and communicate. The promoters are going to be louder, speak faster. They are going to be a little bit more confident in their words, even if they don't necessarily have the backing for the confidence, they still appear confident. Those controllers are going to be the drivers. There's the ones that are going to push things forward no matter what. They will push it forward with dead bodies or carnage in the background where it could be like the supporters, for example, are softer. They do not like the controllers moving things forward. So there's a lot of tension. They want to make sure that feelings are really held tightly, that everybody feels good about what we're doing and how we're moving forward. So in fast-paced environments where quick decisions have to be made, controllers thrive, but supporters tend to be very stressed in those environments. And then you've got the analyzers. They want to think about everything. You talk to them, you're in communication with them, and they are pondering. They're often in their heads, and their words are slower and methodical. They're very rigorous. So if you want to know numbers, facts, figures, you go to an analyzer because they have got that stuff down. But they really can struggle in an environment where somebody is a little bit more high-pitched and quicker tone and so excited because they oftentimes don't see credibility in that space. Analyzers have a ton of credibility. So once you understand the mix of the partners and where they fall there, a balanced team has all of these. And so it's important that within your partnership that all of those styles are represented. When one is missing, it becomes a real challenge because then you've got a lopsided team. If you don't have that supporter, people don't really feel good about what you're up to. If you don't have the promoter, it's not fun. They are working. There's no question about that, but it's not fun. When you don't have that controller, you can sit around and talk about everything that you want to talk about, but nothing ever actually moves forward. When you don't have that analyzer, you often miss the data points. And so we're, we're working, we're busy, but we don't really know where we're headed because the analyzer grounds in that result that we're attempting to create. They know how to win the game. And they're the ones that can communicate it to the rest of the team. Now, they may not communicate it as eloquently as the promoter, and they may not drive it forward like the controller, and they may not feel great about it like the supporter, but they know the game that they're up to. So each of those areas has their strength and weakness. And when you're looking at a partnership, you want to understand what component, really which of those your partners are so and yourself so that you can understand how the team mix is and see, okay, maybe this is where there's a breakdown. So once we understand communication styles, we want to get into timeline focuses. There's two different components of this. One is understanding, so seniority of, of how that plays in from a timeline. So that seasoned versus kind of newer partner that we talked about right before the first break, that's going to be important. What's your breakdown look like from that perspective? Not necessarily how old someone is, because age in and of itself doesn't really matter. It's how long they've been a part of the partnership. So you could be the most senior member of the partnership and be the youngest person. It just depends on what the partnership looks like. And so that's going to be important information to look at because your senior seasoned partners tend to be the ones that have been around the block a lot. And it's just like you wouldn't want a strategist. So if I'm going to go in and transform a company. You don't want me in that company for a really long time because my ability to transform it, the longer that I've been with the company, the more it dilutes because I've seen it, I've seen what works, I've seen what doesn't work, and I've formed beliefs. You want somebody that can crush those beliefs because 
they haven't formed them to come in with a fresh set of eyes. So a seasoned partner doesn't tend to have the fresh set of eyes. That's just anywhere in any partnership. So note, note if you want to transform, don't go to your seasoned people to come up with the fresh ideas of how to do it. You want to bring in new people for that. So wisdom is great. Wisdom is really great to have, and we don't want to get hung up on our wisdom. So that's one way to look at it. The other thing that we look at with partnerships in particular, when we think about timeline, it goes right in line with time horizon. Now, if you're in a partnership and you're playing at that level, you typically have a longer time horizon. Now, what do I mean by time horizon? What I mean is that how long our minds can think about how we can schedule things. So if I'm somebody that says, hey, I don't even know what's happening today. I go by minute by minute. And I look at my calendar and I say, what do I have to do in the next hour? What do I have to do in the next two hours? What do I have to do in the next three hours? If I can really only get that far, I have a really short time horizon. It means how far out can I hold a vision? So if my vision is, when is lunchtime? I've got to get through lunch. What am I doing between now and lunch? I have a shorter time horizon. But if I'm sitting here having conversations about what 30, 40, 50 years from now looks like, maybe even 200 years, knowing that I'm not going to be there, but we want to set this company up for success, what that could look like of a really long time horizon. So you know people like Elon Musk or Steve Jobs, like them or love them, hate them, it doesn't really matter, but they are looking at what do I want the world to look like? Like Steve Jobs, you know, his whole book uh, that he wrote you know, a few years before he died, he talked about what he wanted the world to look like way after he was gone. Now, we didn't realize at the time that that was not that far off, but in his mind, it wasn't what does not 2020 or 21 or 22 or 2030 look like, but what is 2100 and 2200? What does that look like? What does the world look like at that point? And so really coming from that place versus the, the current day, and so when you can think about that far, you have a really long time horizon. So that's pretty cool when you can have that mix of time horizons and you want to know what is the time horizon of the people in your partnership, because then you're going to know how far out you can have conversations with them. If you have a conversation about a goal that you have with somebody that's 100, 200 years out, but that person's time horizon is the afternoon, realize that you are putting them into a complete state of overwhelm and no decisions in the history of ever have been made from a state of overwhelm. When you're in overwhelm, you're anxious, you are uncomfortable, you are not thinking about what's best for yourself or for the company because you're in survival mode. So you've gotta understand the timelines of the people around you because that's as far out as you can plan with that person. So when you're in a partnership, you got to understand the timelines around you, the time horizons of the people around you, because that's going to play a role for how far out you can plan. To give you an example of this, I was talking with a senior leader in a company the other day, and he said he was sharing his vision for the next five years with the team. Now, his senior cabinet, so meaning his senior, he's the CEO of the company, but the senior leadership team, they understood it. They got it. They were right there with him. The management level of his company, they understood it. They weren't really sure how it applied to them, but they got it for the most part. 
the person that works at the front desk, she was so stressed out because she didn't understand how what he just said affected her day to day. And he says, how could I have communicated that differently? And so we talked through how this big vision, there was nothing wrong with it. But he gave the big vision that the senior leaders got. Did he give the eye candy, meaning the, the details, the, the, the bulk of it, did he break that down for the middle management that they could get, they have a little shorter time horizon? And did he break it down for the person who's got the time horizon by the end of the day? So did he say, hey, end of day time horizon people, just wanna let you know, this does not affect your day to day. Hey, middle management people, just wanna let you know, this is how it affects your day to day. Hey, senior leadership, just wanna let you know, this is how it affects you. And then this is, this is the vision. When you break it down like that, then you can get ownership and find this common ground because now we understand big vision, but how does it impact me? Because anytime that you share your words, people are saying, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? So if you wanna create influence and enroll people within a partnership of a common vision, you've got to answer the what's in it for me for every single time horizon. And then they can be a yes. I generally believe that people want to be a yes to other people, but in order to be a yes, they've got to meet some certain criteria, which is what's in it for me? And when you can answer that for somebody and they like your answer, then they're a yes. So just remember that question, the what's in it for me? And I don't mean for you, I mean for the person you're talking to. And that really goes for any kind of information that you deliver. Just know that the person listening is saying what's in it for me? So when you can answer that, that's when you can get into a powerful space of getting people to be a yes to your ideas. But finding common ground is about getting people to be a yes, getting multiple people to be a yes. Okay, so it's important to understand timelines, these differing visions as well. This is one of the biggest things where I spend a lot of time. And the reason for that is because we all have our own individual visions that we want for ourselves. And when you're in partnerships, we're oftentimes still carrying our own vision. Remember branded house versus house of brands. If we are a house of brands, it means that each person that's a part of that partnership has their own individual vision. But the challenge is we still have to have that overarching vision. When we say house of brands, what that means is the house, so we've got these individual brands, but we still get to have the house, the roof, the walls, the doors, <laughs> that's the vision. So we still get to have that overarching vision. But when you've got multiple people with different visions, how do you create the overarching vision, that roof or the house of brands? And the way that you do that is by listening to the individual visions, so the personal visions of each of those partners, and you're looking for a through line. You're looking for a through line. And what a through line is, is the, it's the, the commonality amongst each of those visions. It's the common target audience. It's the common words, it's the common language, it's the common thing we're not seeing. So it is truly the commonality among all of those brands. And when you can identify that and know what your house is, you, you attach your brand right to that. Because that's what you share. And when you can understand what it is that you share, that's your common ground. And then you understand, okay, if this is our common ground, where are we gonna put that into the world that people care about it? Because ultimately businesses exist because 
They get to impact other people in a way that other people want them to impact them. That's, that's how successful businesses thrive. And so when we understand what that through line is and we attach it to where the world wants us to play, when you've got that line there, then you've got your house of brands. And now you can actually move forward into the common ground. And everything, every conversation, it all grounds back to that. Because it's really easy to forget the common ground and to play our own game. But in a partnership, playing your own game only gets you so far because you're playing with multiple people. You've agreed to play together for whatever reason. And so we are looking for what the common ground is. Identify the through line so that you could move forward. I mean, this stuff is so fun. Hopefully you see it that way. But finding the through line, that's about deep listening. It's about hearing what's being said and what's not being said. It's about really understanding that there's a reason we came together for this partnership. And, and here's the other piece, and we don't need to spend a ton of time on this, but what I know to be true about partnerships is that, that we oftentimes think that they're gonna exist forever. But that's not necessarily the case. Partnerships have a shelf life, meaning they've got a beginning date and they've got an end date. And you may not know what that end date is, but just know that partnerships have an end date. So you're not gonna be in a partnership forever because the partners are gonna change, the vision's gonna change. And so there may be a time when the reason that that partnership formed and came together, it, it no longer works. Or you've accomplished your, your mission or your vision, and so it's complete. And at that point, it's not a failure, it's a celebration, it's complete. And then you get to move on. You get to identify what's the point of the partnership so that you understand what success looks like. My very first question, my very first big girl job interview out of college was actually with a partnership. I was not being interviewed for a partner. I was being interviewed for an employment position in that partnership. And the uh, recruiter says to me, what does success look like in five years? And as a young 20 something, I was probably 21 at the time, and I babbled off some response about success, but it wasn't my definition of success. It was some definition that I'd heard in a textbook or just whatever rolled out of my mouth was what I said success would look like. And it took me a while to figure out that I got to define that. What they were asking me was for me to define it. But that's a, a big question that the 21-year-old version of me didn't know how to answer. Today, I would answer that very differently. And so that's one of the key things in understanding with this finding common ground is really understanding like what does success look like to each partner and what does success look like to the partnership? Now we're gonna go on a quick break and I'm gonna leave that question for you. What does success look like for each partner and what does success look like for the partnership? You are listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I'll talk to you just after this break. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, 
carrying us through the day and taking us to bed with you. We're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Now, as I mentioned right before the break, we talked about understanding what success looks like for each partner and then for the partnership as a whole. I think oftentimes, especially I can speak back to my early career as being an employee in a partnership world. I did that a few times before I formed my own partnership and uh, really got to run that, experience that as the owner versus the employee. And as the employee, what I can say is that at the time it was, it was a little confusing because you knew, you know, for me, each of the partners that I worked under, I knew what their success looked like. And so I knew what game they wanted to play and I could easily win that game. Like, for example, I knew one partner, what he really cared about winning for him was that his employees had the most billable hours. So during a non-busy season time, we would work 70, 80 hours because he loved that. It was horrible for me. We would get up at you know five in the morning, be at work by six. So I didn't even see the sunlight. This is not during a, a busy season. It's just normal, normal like summer. We would be at work by six and we would work till uh, usually six, seven at night. We would get a 30 minute break, but we would all pack our own lunches because at that point we really didn't have, we would go eat at a food court, but you wouldn't really have time to eat at the food court anything but the food that you brought. So we'd all bring our own lunches and then we would walk to the food court to give ourselves a little bit different experience and maybe see the outside world. And again, this is like summertime. And then we would walk back to the office, the client's office, and we would work until you know, six, seven at night. And so we're easily putting in 10 hours a day, five days a week. And then on Saturdays, sometimes we would work another four or five hours. And so this was just just our normal uh, schedules. And that got to be pretty crazy. You think about then during busy season, we would generally work until, you know, that was like 10, 11 at night, then we would come home and you get maybe five hours of sleep and then you go back in. So I, you knew, I knew how to win in that partner's world, but then I would go work with another partner and I would have a vastly different experience. Like they, what they valued was very different. Like in one case, what he valued, this other partner, he valued uh, really making sure that everything was triple checked. So our normal process was a double check, but in his case, he wanted a triple check. And so what that opened up was that I had to, to go through another process that, that I, I really learned when I stepped onto that team. It was like, oh, okay, this is how we're gonna play the game, got it. That part, the other partner wasn't so concerned about it, but this partner is. And so you get to learn what a win looks like for each partner. But what I didn't really understand was what is the win for the company? I get what the win for each of the partners is, but what is the company value? And oftentimes in a partnership that can get really confusing to the employees if they were to hop around like that or say, okay, I'm playing on this team. This is what I get to value. This team, this is what I get to value. This team, this is what I get to value. But the overall culture doesn't really breed that. And in my world, it, doing a lot of work in advertising agencies and marketing and communications, it's like kind of my big girl growing up phase. I got to learn a lot and I ran an agency. And when you've got uh, 
senior level managers that are running different accounts and you might hop between accounts, you have that same experience where it's what does this senior level manager want versus this senior level manager. So they may not be formal partners, but they've kind of formed their own partnership in essence because they've got that common goal. And you got to keep in mind, what does this person want versus what does the company want? And so as an employee, you're, you're juggling these pieces. Now, if you flip and you say, okay, so as senior leaders, we can impact these, these conversations that our employees are either having or having in their head, we get to be really clear about what our vision is for the company. And then each of those partners can have their individual visions. But if we forget about that, that overarching vision, it's like they're just working for that person, not the company. And if that person, they don't enjoy that experience, then they're going to leave. We don't want them to leave. Yuck, if they don't enjoy that, that experience with that partner, well, that's why we're in a partnership. We've got multiple different opportunities. So there's, there's a lot of advantages to being in a partnership. And we're not talking about tax advantages or legal advantages. We're just simply talking about how we run the business that I think we can really leverage, but we've got to understand, we get really understanding what is the overall vision for the partnership because that's the piece that oftentimes gets missed. It's a little bit more work. It's not thinking about what is my vision as my partnership with my team. It's why are we all here? Why do we have this partnership in the first place? Going back to the intention, what's this all about? Because oftentimes that's the piece that I find missing. Now, something else that I think is really important is it's formally what we, we used to think of it as the SWOT analysis, where we go through and Look at, look at partnerships or companies and we say, well, where's their strengths? Where's their weaknesses? Where's their opportunities? And where's their threats? Now, those are still very valid. If you went and took an MBA course or even some basic marketing strategy, those would come up. It's really important to understand your basic SWOT. So you want to understand what's really working within your partnership, what the weaknesses are, where opportunities and markets are, current markets or new markets, and then what are some of the things that are facing our companies that or a partnership that really could be a threat. So yes, is that a valid exercise to do 100% because that just going through that exercise, what I see happen is that the partners get to come together. And when we say, well, what are our strengths? Now, this is where you start to see these people say, well, I see what you're doing over here. And, and so now we're coming together and we're creating that commonality. Strengths, we love to talk about our strengths and we will talk about other people's strengths that we see all day long. When we get to weaknesses, we're happy to point out other people's weaknesses, but we don't always want to pull forward on our weaknesses. So oftentimes I change that verbiage, even though it's called a SWOT analysis, but I say uh, next level opportunities because that tends to call forward a lot more honesty within partnerships so that we can really get to what that common ground is. Because if we're just simply pointing to what our other partners are doing, wrong or not as well or where they're creating weaknesses it doesn't really breed commonality or common ground what it does is breed anger and frustration and we don't want that that's not valuable to where we're headed so you think about how we are phrasing some of these strategy pieces we just tweak some verbiage it's not like we're tweaking what we're up to we're just tweaking how we talk about it and then in opportunities again do we want to play more in we look at these, again, house of brands, branded house. This is really important. But if you're looking at opportunities, you want to know new market or same market deeper in. If you want to go new market, that's awesome. But it's a lot, it's a lot of work to grow in a new market. 
But if you want to go same market deeper in, there's so much potential same market deeper in. That's just, it's just learning cross selling happens in that space. Uh, so we can share revenue dollars, we can share clients, we can create joint ventures with our partnerships. So I'm just throwing out all of these words as things that when we get into conversations about opportunities within new markets or current markets going deeper, it opens up space for us to be able to say, all right, if this is our common ground and our partnership, where do we want to go with it? And then obviously threats is what could stop us from doing that. And so examining these in your partnerships, but doing it with your partners and saying, we're going to look at this as the house of the brands, or if we're the branded house, whatever the decision is, but we're not going to look at this as our individual brands. We're going to look at it from the house perspective, because when we look at it from the house perspective, we're finding the common ground and that's that's that commonality piece that we're seeking because as a company our our customers they don't work with us individually they work with our customer who are they writing their check to when they swipe the credit card then they look at their credit card statement does it say the individual's name or does it say the company name i mean that's just something to look at too because if it says the company name man we are a house of brands or branded house, you just you gotta really look at this, okay? What's the name on the credit card statement? I have a, a friend who runs an advising company as well, but he his is more from an accounting practice state. And he said, his, the, well, he didn't identify this. His team, I got to talk with his team and really understand what was going on in their company. And what I found was that his, his individual advisors, because they run as a house of brands, his individual advisors said we're really clunky in that we all have to bill out individually. So that would mean that somebody's credit card statement would have their individual practitioner's name. So in this case, like their advisor's name, comma, company name. So to the individual customer, it is the advisor that is, they're paying their advisor directly. They don't care about the company. If the advisor decided to go somewhere else, they're not thinking about the company. And so what's important to know about this is that doesn't breed common ground. So I'm not saying that's a bad way to do business or it's not working. I'm just saying, if I went and asked your customers right now about your company as a partnership and what value they got from it, are they gonna tell me that they get, you, they get value from your company? Or are they gonna tell me that they get value from the individual practitioner? So the partner and their team, that's where they get the value. Because if you want them to continue to stay with your company and create longevity, then you really want them to say, yeah, I get value from the company or both would be a great answer. So both. So they see the value of being with a, a larger company and a, a bigger partnership versus just an individual. Because if somebody's just a sole practitioner, that's kind of like a freelancer. Now, typically freelancers can charge a little bit less, but they don't offer the same thing as if you went with the, the bigger company. We want them to go with the bigger company and see the value. But we get to understand like, what's really the gap there. How do our customers perceive us? And so that's another thing that we look at. <laughs> Here's a piece that I learned long ago. If I ask you, what would your customers say if I asked them why they work with you? You're going to have a nice response. I mean, I would have a nice response. But the reality is that's just my interpretation or your interpretation of why your customer would work with you. So one of the things that I started doing years ago was actually doing interviews with customers, with, uh, with people that interviewed to be a customer but chose not to. So people that didn't pick you and understanding why they didn't. 
because that actually gives the biggest amount of information. So we get sound bites from this, we get growth opportunity ideas from this, we get all kinds of data points. Oftentimes, 80% you know, of it is directly impacted what we're up to, but 20% of it just gives us insight that is incredible and directional for uh, our company. And so it's really a valuable step. And it's one that you can do, but I encourage you to do it with a third party because your customers or people that didn't pick you, they're gonna give you a different answer than they're gonna give somebody like me because I don't, uh, I don't have any connection other than I'm getting paid to gather third party data from a neutral perspective. So they can tell me whatever they want because I'm not their client. I'm not the person that they chose. I am just simply an inquiring mind. And so the coolest thing is I've gotten all kinds of data that I can then deliver back in a very safe way so you're not revealing that person back to the company. I mean, how cool is that? If you could get an unabridged version of what your customers truly think about you, how valuable could that information be to you? Yeah, I'm, when I, I would write these beautiful plans, I still do this, we write these beautiful plans, but the first step is the data digging to understand why we're writing the plan that the way that they are. And we go to present these plans and we'd spend three hours sharing this data. I think every time, every time we present them, I think, oh, we can present this in 30 minutes. But there's so many questions because it's what you wanna know. You wanna know what did our clients think? Tell me more, what did they think about this? What about this? Did you ask this question? And we end up spending so much time there, but the, by the time we actually get to the directional plan of, hey, based on all this information, this is where I think we should go. Every single time that that maybe gets 30 minutes, but the, the research and the data gets three hours. And I, I just laugh every time thinking, oh, OK, these really should be two separate meetings. These should be two separate meetings because we have so much data here. But so uh, that's what people crave and care about the actual plan that's secondary to it because we're getting all this data coming in. So anyway, I could talk all day about that. But I think it's really important to get an honest look at that. Because when we're looking at common ground, we don't want to judge, we don't want to guess, we want to actually go out and figure out what that data is. So the bottom line there is to talk, we can have a third party do that for you and to bring that back into your partnership as evidence to where you get to head. All right, we're going to go on a quick break. When we get back, we'll wrap all of this up. You're listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we've been talking all about finding common ground in multi-stakeholder partnerships. We started out by identifying really what partnerships mean in this context. So we're not just talking about limited liability partnerships, but anytime people are coming together for a common vision or a common goal. And then we looked at some of the different tools that we can use. So understanding the communication styles of each of the key players is gonna be really important understanding the time horizons of how long people think. Remember that has to do with how long they can hold the vision. So some people it is end of day, some people it is end of month, some people it is end of year, some people it is 
500 years from now. Very few people is it that far out. For some people, they have very long time horizons. Now my time horizon falls about 30, 40 years from now. I am not one that can see 100, 200, 300 years from now, but I can see 30, 40 years from now. And so I build into that perspective. But I will tell you that when I get stressed, my time horizon shortens and I go into, what do I have to do today? What do I have to do in the next hour? What's on my calendar right now? And so notice that that can happen, but it's really under, it's important to understand what are the time horizons, the average time horizon, when they're not in stress of the people around you. And then you think about the, the actual seniority of the people around you. So while age is a factor in there, it's really about the length of time they've been in the partnership, because we're gonna look at the mindset around that as well. It's gonna be really important. Look at differing visions. So we wanna understand individual visions of each person, and then we wanna look at the overall vision. So that's digging into the, are we a house of brands or a branded house? Because it's gonna be important to understand the distinction between the two. And then looking at the focus areas, because if each of your individual partners has their own focus areas, we got to understand how do those play together? What's the through line that really supports all of these areas? So these are all things that you got to look at in a partnership, because when we understand these, we can start to come together for the common ground. What is the through line? How do we work together to reach that common vision? And oftentimes what I see is that in partnerships, we aren't willing or haven't gone through the process to put the pin on the map and say, this is where we're heading. This is I shared with you in our mock trial example of we wanted to give these kids these, um, this amazing experience, but then we realized, oh, it was about winning. If it, It's about getting the most points, not winning the trial. It was about getting the most points. And so that became the most important piece. Well, if that's not how we've trained them, then it, it's not going to work. Okay, same thing in the, the partnership, my past experience that I shared with you about how one partner really cared about billable hours, but another one cared about triple checking the work and having triple uh, monitors, triple signatures, everything had to be overly scrutinized. Now, the reason for that was very different than the billable hours guy. The billable hours guy is because early on in his career, he got nailed for having revenue counts, not hitting revenue counts. And so now he's very clear that revenue counts are his top priority. But this other guy, he got nailed because somebody didn't double check their work and didn't get the second signature. And it really cost him a lot of time, money, respect, things that he valued. And so now he has a triple check procedure. So you learn these behaviors because of what's coming up, like what's happened, your past experiences. And if you keep people guessing on what your game is, it doesn't work. You get to identify what your game is as a partner, but as a partnership to find common ground, you get to understand what the game of the partnership is. So that is really, really important as we look at how we play together. Okay, so if you're in a partnership and you're wondering, why, how do I do this? How do I figure out what this common ground is? You'll listen again, you can go back and listen through the podcast or, or uh, through the TV show you can watch and see what are some of these things that I could do. If you have any questions, just reach out. This is the stuff that I love to do, especially those client interviews or the, the, the not client interviews, the opposite of that. Those are really important information. They actually reveal so much of what we think we know, but there's a difference between what we think we know and what we know. And when we can uncover that gap, well, then we can solve it. But we've got to first uncover what it is. 
So that is, uh, those are just a few different ways to find common ground in a partnership. But if this is something that you think, like, hey, I've got partners and we all get to get on the same table, we all are the same side of the table, we all get to play together, reach out, just send me a note. I'm happy to talk with you about this and figure out maybe there's a few things that you can tweak. My email is Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. And just let me know what your thoughts are, what your questions are. I'm also, this is switching of the subjects, but I'm looking at what the radio show looks like here over the next few months and really working on the schedules. So if there's shows that you want to hear, people you want me to interview or bring on to the show or questions or thoughts that you have, just reach out to me and let me know what your thoughts are on that. It's Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. And lastly, I'm totally open to feedback. So if there's something that you hear in the show that you like, let me know. If there's something that you say, hey, Kathleen, this doesn't work for me, that's okay too, because there's so much value in getting that feedback, especially on a radio show or a podcast where you don't have a live audience. When I stand in front of a crowd and I have that audience in front of me, you get that immediate feedback. So you know what's working, what's not working. You know if your tone, your pacing, all of that stuff works for your audience because you get that immediate feedback. And then you learn and move forward. That is not the case. If, if you're listening and you're thinking, hey, perhaps I'd like to be in this game of radio show or podcast or any of that, just really think about like how it's a different environment. Super cool environment and it's different. So that's pretty neat too. But ultimately what I care about is that I am impacting you. So let me know how I can support you in any way, Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. Every Monday we come here with shows that affect senior leaders and the challenges that they have. Today's focus on finding common ground in multi-stakeholder partnerships. While it has an impact on partnerships and looking at it from that angle, know that partnerships expand so far beyond just what we think of as legal partnerships. So an LP or legal structures, partnerships are any group of people that get together to form a common goal. Okay, that is a partnership. A marriage is a common partnership and, and having a vision there is really important. So yeah, as you know, especially if you've got kids involved, kids play parents, they wanna know how to win, they figure out how to win. It's the exact same thing in a partnership. You gotta find that common ground and that common vision. So in this case of family, it's how do we want our family to look moving forward? Perfect example of taking this information, we've talked about it today, and translating it into your environment and what works for you. That's the cool thing about all of this stuff we talk about. It could all be translated into so many different areas of life. Thank you so much for listening. I will catch you next week here on The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.